0: That is a funny video. It was sent to me by our uh, wonderful worship director. And there's more. So if you come back, not next week, but the week after, we'll have part two of that um, series. It's pretty funny and hilarious um, because it's, in a way it's a reality. Um, We may not say it openly, but you that have been invested in this church for Cornerstone for quite some time... This doesn't affect you, but you that are here looking for a church, it's really some of the things that are put into our hearts and our lives that we don't realize is that some of the funny jokes he was saying is really current and reality, except like tweeting different things, um, 157 characters, uh, characters, or, you know, if you don't know who this Steve Furrick is, I've seen him a couple times, he's a big dude and he's a pretty cool pastor, And so we all have our different things that we want out of church, right? And so this video, although it's making fun of some of these aspects of what church life is nowadays, it's still pretty humorous. And the reason is, is because we all have our biases in what we want in church. But what I like about it is that we can make fun of ourselves. And I think the main point of the video is is that the Bible is relevant and truth is what we are going to stand on. And so when you see these videos like this, that's I think that's the heart behind it is that we are seeing a, a part of culture and a part of society that we are looking for a church that meets a need that really doesn't need to be met. A feel good message And it does say in the Bible that there will be a time where people long to hear what they want to hear and stray from the truth. And so just if you're a visitor this morning, we do have a few and we welcome you this morning. You're in a good place to be who you are. And we embrace that. And one of the things that we are going through and we have been going through for quite some time is what I would call transition. And I would say that our church has been going through transition even before I got here. I've been here, I've lasted a year and five months. (laughs) But we've been in a season of transition and transitions are not always easy. If anything, transitions can be quite hard. But yet we should all brace transition because God brings... Us into different seasons. If we are honest in life, I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago, and I hope I'm not the same person I'm going to be 10 years from now. We're on a constant, constant uh, transitional road, and it really stinks at times. I'll be honest with you. But as I think about the psalmist, that said in Psalm 23. It says, You lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And when I look at that scripture, I'm just baffled. Then I, I, I get, and I've shared this before, it's like, it's not about me, and that really makes me feel good. Because this road that I travel on is for Him. And Scripture time and time again lines up with that theology and that thinking that it is all about the Father and all about His Son and the Holy Spirit. Now the awesome part of it is that we get to join in and be a part of God's mission. And so as we go through transition as a church, I want you to hold on. I want you to hang in there and let's see what God has for our future. And I want you to know in this church that you are loved and cared for. And when I was talking about it earlier, about the website that we have that you can put your prayer request on, I mean that because we, I, and we are praying for you on a constant basis. And you don't know the pressure it is To be praying for a body. And if you think of it, Paul says this. I'm kind of getting off on the sermon. I'll get back. But Paul says this. He's been through shipwreck. He's been in a sea all night and a day. He's been bitten by a snake. He's been beaten. And then he comes right along after he says all that in Scripture. And he says, yet my main concern is for the church daily. And so I want you to know that although we go through life in transition and different things happened, we have a father that sees all, that knows all, and he cares. And so I want you to know that we are a people that are in a transition even as a pastoral staff because we're getting ready to transition as we've had an associate um, position, it's gone and it's no longer going to be because of the size of our church. And then we are getting ready to hire a new youth pastor. And you're like, Pastor Jeremy, can you not just stop and leave us alone? But I want you to know, guys, we are going somewhere. And I read a book uh, a while ago, and as we were transitioning out of our ministry as missionaries, it was called Necessary Ending. And he talked about necessary endings. And so often in our world, in our thinking, in our culture, we look at endings as they are bad things. But there are times when God brings endings for purposes, and that is for His glory. We don't see it. We don't understand it. But if we hold on and trust Him, we will see the good out of it. And so we are... In a new chapter. Cornerstone Church. If you were to go around this community. In the valley. And you say Cornerstone. A lot of people will not know. What you are talking about. Where is Cornerstone? Downtown Menashe. I will tell them. And then I will say the weather vane. We are by the weather vane. And they will okay. I know what you are talking about. But then if you say the word Evangel. Everybody knows where Evangel is. Which is pretty cool. Our church has great history. God refuses to let the light go out here at Cornerstone. If it was not true, you would not be here. And although in the last few weeks and we've lost some good people that we love, Because of transition. And it's okay. Our prayer for anybody that has to go in the transition. Is that they would find a place where they can thrive. And to know Jesus even better. Because there are seasons. So today why am I sharing this? And why am I hitting this point? And the truth is that I will not hit this point again. So I'm laying it out there. And the thing about that you will realize about this pastor that you have here is I try to be authentic. I try to be honest. And I'm learning not to be so honest. Because my honesty so gets me into trouble so often. But I want you to know that you have a pastor that loves Jesus. And I told you from day one that this pastor would make some mistakes. So just hold on. But the reason, again, I'm sharing this is because we are kicking off into a series this morning, and the title is, Where Are We Going? Because we are going somewhere. And you see, in the next few weeks, of course, next week, we want to invite you to the picnic, which is going to be a fun time So we'll take a break during that time. But we're going to look at our core values. And it's being a learner. Being a servant. Being in authentic relationships with God and others. And we're going to hash those out. And we're just going to look. And and we're going to look at those very closely. And we're going to say, hey, this is where we're going. This is the vision that we can all get behind. Because the Scripture says without vision, the people perish. And then in my version that I read and I love, it says without vision, the people go unrestrained. That means we're not moving in one place together in unity. And we're going to hash this out. And as I was talking about a new chapter in our church history, I want you to know that the other chapters that were written are written in history, and they are good chapters within the church. Have they been hard times? Yes. And I'm talking to those that have been here a while. There have been some hard times, but there has been some glorious times also. And I want you to know that I'm building on a foundation that has already been built. You see, I'll be honest with you, if I wanted to build my own foundation, I would have started a church across the street. But that's not what God has called me and my family to do. God has called and gifted my family is to come and to build on a foundation and to to help that foundation and stabilize the foundation and then watch it grow. But I want you to know, you that have been serving here for a long time, It's not because you weren't good enough. That would be a lie, number one, from the enemy. Is that maybe you didn't do what you were supposed to do, but I want to tell you this morning, the new chapter is just this, and it's as simple as this, that God is taking us in a new direction. Because there are seasons in God's history for man. And we have a place in the valley. And it is a glorious place in the valley. Then not only that, we have a place in Menashe. God wants to shine His light through our body and to do things in Menashe that He has not been able to do in the past. Not because we weren't good enough, it's just because He's called us to a new season. And so as we go to the scripture this morning, John 15. I preach on this scripture a lot. In the past, I've meditated on this scripture so much because it's so important. But I've also preached it wrongly in the past. And I'm sure if you ask Pastor Keith, who is a minister for 40 years. I'm sure there are some sermons that he wished he could do over. Is that right? Yeah. And I've heard it from others that have done ministry like Pastor Keith has. Is they realize that they preach sermons here and then God has taken them on a path and and you realize that it wasn't totally wrong, but it wasn't totally right either. So this morning as we look at John 15, if we go back to the points real quick is that we're going to look at three points is remaining in Jesus. And then remaining in Jesus' love. And then remaining fruitfulness. We're going to look at these aspects from the Scripture. And I want you to know that none of it depends upon you. Now, is there a responsibility in the believer? Yes. Are we responsible to grow? Yes. How do we do that? We get into God's Word, we pray, we have fellowship, we come to church. We worship together, we fellowship together. But none of that takes the place of Jesus. And here as we're getting ready to embark on a new direction, it is Jesus-centered and people-focused. It is all about Jesus, all or nothing, is what I would like to say. And if you're like me and think you're the Lord of your life, so often we act like it's my way or the highway. But that's not the reality. And so let's look at the scripture this morning. So I'll read and expound on it a little bit. John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so that may be it may bear more fruit. I want to stop here just for a moment. This is about remaining in Jesus. We are getting ready to get into an exciting time, aren't we? Memorial Day weekend is the day that I heard you, Wisconsinite, plant your gardens. That's exciting, folks. For some of you, it's more exciting than others. But the truth is, I hope we don't have any more freezing nights. We can go in, and I'm going to plant me a garden, God willing. And I'm going to have tomatoes, and I'm going to have hot peppers, some of the things that I like. And I'm going to be the gardener. I'm pretty excited about this if you can't tell. It's always a dream. And I'm going to expect those vegetable plants to bear fruit. And so as we go into this exciting time of being able to plant and take care of our gardens, as everything is coming up and is green, is that you know as well as I do, is that if there's a branch or there's a plant that is not bearing fruit, what is one of the first things that I'm going to do? I'm going to prune it. Or take it out altogether. Why? Because it's taking from the nutrients of the other plants. And you see, I do this, and they say to do this on pepper plants, especially as when they bloom and they start, the first fruit comes, you cut those off right away. Why do you cut those off? It's so that other fruit can grow and even more can grow. Just a little gardening hint. And so often, we look at this pruning process as something that is negative. But actually, it's something very positive. And you know, I don't know if you're like me, is that when I'm growing in my faith and I'm doing okay, and then God comes along and says, okay, I want to prune this area of your life. And then He begins His work, and then the hurt begins to come. And then I'm like, Lord, would you just stop? But then I'm reminded that God is so passionate for us. That He won't let go of our lives. And you know, some of us would say, well, is God sick? Is he, is he, why is He doing this to me? But it's really because, like I've shared a lot, is because He wants to conform us into the image of His Son. And this is all about Jesus. And as much as this hurts, as much as transition hurts, He's doing something. And if you think about this scripture, if you want to put it into context, into history, in historical context, he was sharing this at a time the great transition was getting ready to come to the disciples' lives. So much so, in chapter 14, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me, because he was getting ready to leave this world. And can you imagine the transition that the disciples were getting ready to go through? What we go through is nothing in comparison to what Christ did for us on the cross and what they went through. And then let's go on to verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. And often I've looked at verse 3 and I'm like, what does this mean? It has kind of often been out of my grasp. But when it says you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you, the disciples... When Jesus says this, He can say it to them because the Word had taken root in their life. And who is the Word? Jesus. The Scripture tells us that He is the very Word of God. And so when He says you're already clean, He meant it because God's sap or God's... uh, How do you call it? I don't know what you call it. It was flowing through them. They were abiding in a vine. And so they were clean so that if you are in Jesus this morning, you are as clean as clean can be. Praise God. You are abiding in the vine. But as I was talking this morning so often in our lives, can we get out of abiding? Yes, we can. Can we start off on this journey and be in the right place? Yes, we can. But can we also get off at times? Yes, we can. And that's when we need to be asking God, please prune me. I feel something is not right. I feel like I am not connected with You. The vine, where is the vine? Where are You, Jesus? I cannot see You. I need You. I want You. But I know this area in my life is struggling to abide. And if we're all honest, we all know those areas this morning. And I know my areas. And I hope you know yours. And then he goes on to say this in verse 5. And we'll go through verse 8. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him He bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's powerful. And it says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. And so I want to ask you this morning, what kind of fruit are you bearing? What kind of fruit are you bearing? Or are you bearing any fruit? You see, the Bible and Jesus also teaches that a good tree cannot bear fruit bad fruit a bad tree cannot bear bad or good fruit and it's just like a fig tree cannot bear an apple there's no difference in what we call this life in Christ Is it a, what kind of fruit are we bearing and i have to be honest with you is it? Could you imagine some magical thing taking place where this branch was just outside here, here's the vine, here's the branch, and this branch is just bearing fruit and blossoming. Can you imagine that? No, it's impossible. Nature tells us it's impossible. What happens when that branch is not abiding? It dies and withers, and what's the next best thing for that branch? It's the fire. And that if you've ever taken branches that come from a vine and you try to burn them, they don't even burn well. I don't know really what use there is of them. But think about the fruit this morning. Think about your life. What are you giving out? What are you doing when nobody sees you? What are you doing in the dark? Because that's where fruit is also. And you see, I want to challenge us this morning that if we are bearing fruit that isn't godly fruit, I would ask you to bring yourself to Jesus and let Him prune you. Because like I was talking to Mike this morning in my office, is that so often when we cut off those sinful behaviors... And when we cut off that bad fruit, it literally begins to wither and then it has no more power in our lives. And that's where we say, Amen, Jesus. So the things that you may be struggling with this morning, you will not always have to struggle with if you are willing to let the redemptive power of Jesus Christ come to your life. And we are a church of redemption. Redemption. And then we'll get back to abiding fruit and remaining fruit. Because I believe there is a time where we need to have great power. And that our power comes through only one source. And that is through the vine. So remain in Jesus. How do you do that? That's the key to the question because we always want to know how to do something. But I want to share with you how do you remain in the vine would be point number two is remaining in Jesus' love. Remaining in Jesus' love. So let's read on in verse 8. It says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, And so prove to be my disciples in verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You see, so often, I have looked at these scriptures as if I need to be doing something to be abiding in the vine. But the truth is that I do what I do because I have discovered the love of Christ. And if you have not discovered what the Father's love is, I would ask you to seek what that Father's love is. Because there is a greater love than we could know in this life. You see, we've had parents, we've had others that have been a bad example of what love is. And so we come to this thing called Christianity with all kinds of baggage, all kinds of things that we think it is this and we think it is that. But there is only one true love and the Bible points to that love. And to remain in the vine is to remain in His love. You see, Jesus said that the reason that I am in the Father and the Father is in me because I have done what He asked me to do. And you want to know the reason, one of the reasons Jesus came? Was because He died for sinners such as you and I. Because everybody in human history up to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had not lived a perfect life, but Jesus had. He came to do the will of the Father. And He never did anything outside of that will so if you want to abide in the love of Jesus, you're going to do what He commands. But see, the cool part is, we do what He commands is because we've discovered a love. And in verse 13 opens that up to us a little bit more. And it says this, Greater love has no one than this that one lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed You that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. This I command you, that you love one another. And you see, you want to know the greatest love is that somebody laid down his life for you. And you see, I skipped the um, scripture of joy. But I think I need to go back there and it's verse 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. When you've discovered the love of Jesus, your joy will be full. If you have lost your joy, I want to ask you this morning, where have you placed it You see, in this thing we call life is we take happiness and we take joy and we act as if they are are equal. But happiness and joy are not equal. They, they, They are not equal. Happiness so often is on circumstances of life. When things are going good, I am happy. When things are going bad, I am disappointed and sad. But joy... Is something that is always abiding. Jesus came so that we may have joy and peace with God. You see, there's something that happens within the life of a a believer, one who has given his life to Christ and is a follower of him, that that joy comes in and nobody can steal the joy. No matter how high you are, no matter how low you are. It's this way, right? High, low. It doesn't matter. The joy abides, and that's why sometimes people can look at me and say, you're such a serious guy. Where, why are you happy? And I'll just say that, hey, inside of me, you don't know what's going on, but there is dancing. There is so much joy that is constantly going, and that's why I can speak before you today and sometimes get passionate. Because there's joy that is up in here, and if you are missing that joy, maybe you are not abiding. But you see, Jesus is calling you friend today. How is he calling you a friend today? Because he is telling you to abide. And he's telling you that that bad fruit, that he wants to deal with it. He is revealing his secrets to you right now. And there's so much joy in it, even in the pain. So where are you today? Have you discovered the love of Jesus? And just for the sake of sharing with you, I have not always been like this. I was a lost man, an angry man, hated God and hated people. But when Jesus came in, all that changed. And even now you're not even able to see the finished product although people will want to peg you and say you are this and that, I want you to know that God is not finished with your life yet. And when you see Him face to face, this terrible, crummy life will be done away with. But I want you to know it's all about abiding. It's about knowing Jesus. It's nothing separate from knowing Jesus. So the third point is remaining fruitfulness. And this is the mark of a believer. John says this in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And then verse 7 and 8 says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And if we're mistaken and if we're not careful, we're going to look at that word prove, and we're going to think wrongly. The way we would say is that I need to prove my love for you. I need to prove my worth to you. I need to prove who I am to you. But that's not what God is saying here. He is saying and Jesus is saying to us. That because you bear fruit. You are just showing others. That you are my disciple. It's not proving that you are disciples; it's showing others that you are his disciples. Do you see it? If we take it in the wrong context, that we are acting as if we need to do this, but Christ has done this for us. And as I'm glossing over these and going through these scriptures, we can go to verse sixteen. You did not choose me. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. And because I don't want to take up too much more of your time, I won't elaborate too much. But I want to say this. That there is power in prayer. And our fruit should come from our prayer life. That is where this is pointing to. You see, so often we act as if we can do everything in our own strength. And if you're like me, if things are out of control, and life just is not what it seems, what do I tend to do? At least in my personality. I tend to try to control the situation. I tend to try to do things in my own strength. And try to just move this thing. Whether it's my lack of finances, lack of peace, my relationships with others are going south. I try to sit there and control the issue. And instead what I need to do is take it straight to Jesus. Jesus. And begin to pray and begin to seek Him and to begin to have fellowship with Him. So often we're trying to figure out the problem when really the problem solver is the one that we are abiding in. So I want to challenge us this morning. How is your prayer life? A couple weeks ago, and we didn't get get it recorded, but I, I preached about assurance of answered prayer and protection. That when we are praying God's will, it is good as done. And you see, where we are at right now in this transition of church, it's hard to see where we're going. It's hard to know that God is right in the center of it. But you know what? We can trust Him and we can move in faith. Because what is faith? It's things that are not seen. But faith that is realized is no longer faith. It becomes reality. And we are walking in a true reality today. That God is in control. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He rose on the third day and He's at the right hand of the Father. That is our reality be honest with you, oftentimes, if you're new here, we have a response time. And really, why do we do this? It's because we have somebody who is creator of all that is speaking to us. And see, we don't want you to leave here of not sealing that word that God is putting in your life and is speaking to you, we don't want you to leave here without giving it to Him in prayer. And so what we do, and if the elders could come forward, we want to ask you, if need be, that you would come forward and we want to pray with you. Whether it's you to know Jesus for the first time, or if it's wanting to lay your cares before Him, or you just need a new opportunity to abide. We want to pray with you. But if you choose not to come forward, that is fine. But I would ask you to take these things to God as we worship. And to look at your life and examine it. What is your fruit? God wants to use you to bear fruit. And to have that fruit remain. So I'm going to pray and then we'll worship. We can go from there. Lord Jesus, you know our lives. And you know me. And Lord, I know that I'm not much different from anybody in this congregation. Is There are areas in my life that are not bearing good fruit. And Lord, I thank you that the cross allows me to bring those things to you and that I will begin to bear fruit that lasts. But Jesus, I want to ask you this morning that you would speak to us. In those areas, Lord, that are, are not good, I pray and ask you that you would forgive us. And I ask you just the same for our church. We pray that this next chapter will so glorify you, Lord, and you alone. And Lord, the new chapter that can start in our own lives today would be, Lord, that our lives would glorify you and glorify you alone. So Lord, would you make your joy complete in us? And that's by making your home in our lives. This so, fathers, we worship you and respond to you. Would you seal these things in your precious name?